This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if you may be watching today for the first time. We want to thank you for tuning in. Now today on our telecast, we're going to discuss this question, Are you alive in Christ? Are you alive in Christ? Stay tuned. I think that you'll find this very informative. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. We would like for you to have it, that you might know more about it and how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftail.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading today from the first chapter of John's Gospel, beginning in verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. I read about a man who went to apply for his Social Security. And according to their records, he was dead. And the man had to come back to the Social Security to try to prove that he was who he said he was and that he was still alive. Can you imagine? How would you go about proving who you are physically? Now, beating pulse and blood flowing through your veins are pretty good indications of life, but, but how would you prove your identity? Well, I suppose that uh, fingerprints uh, could help to identify who you are. And, and I know back in the days when I was born, they would take a footprint of the baby, and perhaps that would be a good way to, to, to prove your identity. I read about a man who had a look-alike. These two people were not even related, but they looked so similar to one another. His look-alike was killed. His family literally identified him as the dead man as being their relative. And later the man showed up in town. And imagine the surprise of his family when they learned they had buried the wrong man. He had to prove that he was alive. Let me ask you, if someone were to put this question to you, how would you answer? Are you alive in Jesus? I think a question like that would have caused quite a stir to the sleepers in Ephesus. 
When Paul wrote to them in Ephesians 5 and 14, he said, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And, and this would have disturbed the, a, a great number of the members in the church at Sardis. According to the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 1, they had a name, they were alive, and yet they were dead. So again, how would you prove that you're alive spiritually speaking? Well, you have to be connected to the source of life. And there's no doubt about that. Jesus Christ is the source of life. Look back in John chapter 1 and verse 4. In Him was life. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then turn to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth Him should not perish, but have everlasting, what? Life. You see, Jesus is the source of life. He is the source of life eternal. Then turn to John chapter 6 and look at verse 35. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So Jesus Christ is pictured in the Bible as being the source of life. Then turn over to John chapter 10 and in verse number 10. And there we have the Lord saying, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And then we turn over to John chapter 14 and look in verse number 6 where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the source of spiritual life. Then turn over to John chapter 20. There's so much about Jesus being the source of our spiritual life taught in the gospel of John. In John chapter 20, John said, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life. You may have life in His name. You see, we have to be connected to the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. And in order that we might have that life, we must abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn back a few pages in the Gospel of John to John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, Jesus said in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. And so Jesus Christ is the source of life. He's the one that gives life to the true vine. He said, I am the true vine. He is the source of life in that vine. And we have to abide in Him, the true vine, to have life. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, stays in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so we have to abide in Jesus Christ in order that we might be connected to the source of life. To be in Christ, you, of course, must be baptized into Christ. Galatians 3.27, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, did put on Christ. And then, when you're baptized into Christ, according to Romans 6 and verse 4, you're raised to walk in the newness of what? In the newness of life. So we die to our sins, that is, we repent of them, 
And then we bury those sins in the waters of baptism into the death of Jesus, baptized into the benefits of His death, and as His blood by faith cleanses and washes our sins, we'll rise to walk in newness of life. And then your name is written in the book of life. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven, Jesus said on one occasion. In Revelation 20:15, Jesus taught through the, through the beloved John that whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we have to have our names in the book of life. And then when our name is in the book of life, in the after a while, we will be subject to receive a crown of life. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Are you connected to Jesus? Are you connected to the vine? Are you connected to the source of life? How do you suppose that you would go about proving that you are alive spiritually? Well, let's see if we can come up with some idea about that. So suppose that you were called into a court of law and you're placed on trial. And the thing that you have to prove when you come into court is that you are alive spiritually. How do you suppose that you would prove it? Well, let me suggest some things for our consideration that, that might help us to see where we are spiritually speaking. As a branch in that vine, I must be bearing fruit. You see, in verse 15, chapter 15 of John's gospel, Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. So when we are a disciple of Jesus Christ, one of the evidences that we are alive spiritually is that we are fruitful. You remember in John chapter, or rather Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20, Jesus said, By their fruits you shall know them. And, and what fruit are we to bear? Where we're to be fruitful. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he talks about such things as love and joy and peace and long-suffering and meekness and gentleness and goodness and, and, and self-control. And so all of those are evidences that there is the influence of the Bible, the influence of the Word of God, the influence of Christ, the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Are you bearing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? But under the figure of a body, there are other signs that you're alive spiritually. You see, you have a heart that is beating with love. First of all, love for God. That you love God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And when we love God, we do what God tells us to do. This is the love of God, that, that we keep His commandments, 1 John 5, 3. Our Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. When we love Him, we will do as He asked us to do. Paul, in writing in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22, said, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. You see, we need to love Christ. We need to love the Lord God. We need to love the Godhead. And that's one sign that we are alive spiritually. And then uh, we also must keep our eyes 
seeing opportunities. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are indeed white unto harvest. Some people never see opportunities around them because they go with their heads down, as it were, never seeing the needs there are around them. There are so many opportunities around us today to help people, to help people who have physical needs, hungry people, people who may not have gasoline for their automobile, people who are down and out and need someone just to give them a little boost. You see, we need to have eyes that see opportunities around us. Galatians 6 and 10 says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, and especially unto those who are of the household of faith. When I see an opportunity for good, and I, and I neglect that opportunity, I, I feel bad. Someone says, well, have you ever done that, Brother Lambert? Absolutely, I've done that. I remember riding by a church building one time and I was late for an appointment to preach. I wasn't really late, but I was running behind on my schedule. And, and, and there was a man out by that church building begging for money. He said, homeless, need money. And, but I had to go on. I didn't have time to stop. That bothered me. That bothered me. A few days later, there was one in the town where I live with the same type of a sign. And they were asking for, for, for food. said, I'm hungry. I need some food. So I stopped and told him to just get in his automobile and follow me right up to the church building where I preached. I'd give him food. And he refused to do it. He said he wanted money. Well, I didn't feel bad any longer about that person. But you see, when we have opportunities to do good, we ought to do them. James 4, 17 says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So not only do we need to have a heart that's beating with love for people, we need to have eyes that see opportunities around us. And we need to have a tongue that is blessing mankind. I wish I could tell you today that the tongues of all people are a blessing to mankind, but that's not always the case. Sometimes there are tongues that are being used to hurt mankind. Let me read to you from the third chapter of, of, the, of the book of James. Beginning in verse number 8. And no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father and with it we bless men who have been made in the similitude of God. Now listen to verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Notice over in chapter 4. In the fourth chapter in verse 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. So we, we need tongues that are not used to hurt people, to harm people, malign people, to slander people. We need to use our tongues to bless people. And so if we are alive in Jesus Christ, 
Our tongue will never be used to, to, to carry gossip from one person to another. Moses told the ancient Israelites, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among the people. Oh, I'm going to use my tongue to criticize and to find fault with others, not if I'm alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you don't use a tongue that's alive spiritually in Jesus to do that sort of thing. And then we, may we also observe that it, another sign that you're alive spiritually is that you have hands that are working diligently for the Lord. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 9. You see, when we work for the Lord, we're blessed for it. Listen to James 1 and verse 25. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and, and continueth therein, this man being not a, a hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. This man shall be blessed in his deed. You see, we're blessed when we do things for the Lord. We are, we are workmen for the Lord, and we want to be approved by God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So as workmen for the Lord, we want God's approval. There's a limit to what we can do for the Lord, and, and all of us have a limit. I have one, you have one, all people have a limit. That is, we have a time limit. I'll not have forever to preach the gospel. I may have a few more days to preach the gospel. Hopefully a few more years, but I have no assurance of that. Jesus in John chapter 9 and verse 4 said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can work. And there's a time coming I'll not be able to work for the Lord. Now the way that I prove right now that I'm alive spiritually, that I'm using every time that I have, all the time that I can, can muster to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's a limit to what we do. And when I, I know that when I do something for the Lord, that it's not useless. It's not in vain. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Are you working for the Lord? Do you have hands that are busy for the Lord? So to show that we are alive spiritually in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're connected to that source of life. We have a heart beating with love. We have eyes that see opportunity. We have a tongue that's blessing mankind. And we have hands working diligently for the Lord. And then we have to have feet that are going with the gospel. You know, in Romans chapter 10, Paul said, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. There are a lot of issues facing the church in the 21st century. And I suppose if, if you had the opportunity to relate to me what you think real issues are facing the church of our Lord in the 21st century, I am confident that I would get a long list of things. And someone may say, well, there's the encroachment of liberalism in religion today. People who don't even believe in the authority of the Bible anymore. They don't believe God exists anymore. And on and on they go. 
And maybe this is just a simplistic answer. But I am thoroughly convinced that the greatest issue facing the Lord's church in the 21st century is the fact that the world is lost. The world is lost without Jesus. That's the issue today. And in order that we might do something about that, we have to get out into the byways and the highways. We need to get out where people are and invite people, encourage people, and compel them to come in that the house may be filled. You see, we've got to work for the Lord. And we've got to use our feet in going for the Lord. We're to be fishers of men. We're not keepers of the aquarium. We've got to go out where the fish are. Now we're talking about being alive in Jesus. Proving that we're alive in Jesus. That we're connected to the vine where the source of life is. We have a heart beating with love. We have eyes that see opportunity. We have tongues that are blessing. We have hands that are working. We have feet that are going. And we have to have a mind that is thinking the right thing. You know, our Lord said, blessed are the pure in heart. Now, whatever is in your heart first was in your mind. Your mind is pure if your heart is pure. And our thinking must be pure. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, Paul talked about things that we ought to be thinking about. And he said, whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatsoever good report and the like. He said, think on these things. Think on good things. Think on positive things. Think on right things. Think on holy things. Think on righteous things. Think on those things. You see, the world was once destroyed because people became so evil in their thinking. That's found in Genesis chapter 6, about verse 5. It, it was because people were constantly thinking about something evil that God destroyed the world. But you see, a man that has hope in the Lord Jesus Christ is the man whose heart is thinking pure thoughts and pure things. And I am fully aware that in the world in which you and I now live, it's not always easy to constantly maintain pure thoughts. Let's be honest about it. But let me read to you from 1 John, the third chapter. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But, but, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. You see, we've got to channel our thoughts on good things. I, I don't know about you, but I do not enjoy being around negative people. Maybe you do. I don't. I enjoy being around someone who is positive, 
Someone I like to associate with people who have faith in God and who will build me up just to be around them, just to hear them talk, just to hear them express themselves. It makes me a better person. That's the kind of a person I want to be around. And that's the kind of person we all strive to be. You see, if I'm alive in Jesus Christ, I'm going to have a mind that's thinking good things, good thoughts. And then for, to, to, to prove that I am alive in Christ, I must have an appetite that's yearning for spiritual nourishment. Do you remember Jesus' statement in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, where Jesus said, Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Some people are just not very spiritually hungry. On any given Lord's Day morning, in the average church USA, there are going to be a certain number of empty seats somewhere. Could be in the balcony, could be somewhere else. Now this is just the experience that I've had in not only in my local work, but in, in preaching in other places, in, in revivals and gospel meetings. There are just a certain number of people that just don't come. And I've often wondered, why do they not come? Some may not come because they're sick and they're not able. So some may not come because they have been detained beyond their control. And there are circumstances that can do that. But some are not there because they really deep down don't want to be there. They're not hungry. They're not hungry and thirsting after righteousness. You know, it's perfectly normal to be hungry. It's perfectly normal to, to be thirsty. An extreme hunger and extreme thirst bring death. One of the signs that we are alive spiritually is the fact that we want spiritual help, that we want spiritual strength, that we want spiritual nourishment. And we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. But some are just not very spiritually minded. To be spiritually minded is life in peace. Romans 8, 6. It's life to have a mind thinking good thoughts, good things, and hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Are you alive spiritually? Are you a Christian today? I hope so. If you're not, you say, I'm not certain, Brother Lambert, then I want to encourage you to call for the free Bible Correspondence course today. It will help you. It will assist you in finding an answer to many of the questions that you have. Don't hesitate to call today. And also, may I give you an invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, 
or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.